Hey everyone, welcome back and happy Friday. We are here with another beautiful episode from The Gathering Movement and I am here today with Michael Hurst. Him and I had a beautiful conversation just a couple weeks ago on his podcast, One More Thing Before You Go. We went pretty deep, so make sure you check that out as well. But welcome, Michael. Thank you for being here. Thank you for uh, having me here. You have a wonderful opportunity to help people move forward in a positive way. I appreciate that. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, this show was really birthed out of frustration, feeling like the messages being shared online weren't always positive, or maybe in TV, the news weren't always positive. So here we are talking all about empowerment and encouraging others to be really the leader of your life. And I know in my conversation with you just a couple of weeks ago, that was very obvious that this is just what you represent um, as a person. But I do love to talk about the journey and how we've arrived at the place that we are today. So can you take us back a couple of years and give us behind the scenes of just your journey and your story? Uh, yeah, I'd be happy to. I'm, I'm a retired police sergeant and a number of years ago I was uh, on the job and I was injured on the job. During that time period, um, it was very difficult for uh, me to continue in that profession because I was told by five doctors I'd be in a wheelchair for the rest of my life. Um, so I went through a lot of ups and downs, a little anger, a little depression, a little denial, a little bit of everything along the way. Um, but I, I, in regard to that journey, it took me a while to get where I'm at right now because of the, all the in-between stuff. Um, I, got, I got hit by a car, uh, pinned by a suspect between my patrol car and his car. And uh, it created an environment for me to uh, have injuries in my knees and my hips and so forth. And then I developed severe rheumatoid arthritis. That put me in a wheelchair. Um, and then I kind of I made it uh, a point. Um, and we uh, may be moving a little bit too quick here, but I made it a point to, uh, to connect my mind, body, and my soul to overcome that. And we can kind of unfold that as you wish. Yeah, and one thing that sticks out to me too is when people, in this case it was doctors, telling you you're never going to walk again. And I'm sure hearing that, it's like, oh, what? What are you talking about? So how were you able to have people, numerous people, tell you something and then be able to start to move beyond that, first deal with the, the, the trauma of that and then move beyond? Well, you know, to be honest with you, it's kind of one of those, it, it was a, a major blow um, number one, because um, I was a sergeant. Um, it stopped my career. So I had to look at it from several different perspectives. Um, I, I was in the process of taking the lieutenant's test. Every look back on this, every colleague that I worked with um, or worked under me went on and grew their career. They would become lieutenants, commanders, uh, captains, assistant chiefs, chiefs, and mine was kind of taken away from me. So I when you have a diagnosis like that, when you have somebody tell you that you can't, um, you have two choices. You can either choose to move forward or you can choose to sit where you're at and accept what they say. In my particular case, I had several obstacles that I had to overcome. Um, those obstacles were real. Um, rheumatoid arthritis that developed was absolutely real. Um, it was a very rapidly moving, devastating disease that uh, put me in a wheelchair, literally. Um, I had to have my wife pick me up in, uh, without being too, too blunt, but had to walk me to the bathroom 
um, you know, I had to call her when I'm finished and she had to come put me back. Now, yes, I have a, I have a, I have a wonderful family. My wife and my children through this journey have been rock solid. So I need to put that out there. But it, it coming from an individual that as a police officer, without sounding egotistical, it, people look to you in strength and you look to you to be strong and in spite of everything that's put there. You, you have to be the person that they come to. When everybody's running into the chaos, you are running away from the chaos, you're running into the chaos. They depend upon you. So I, I went from that person being a father, a husband, a police sergeant that had a team of individuals that depended on me to having my wife walk me to the bathroom was extremely difficult to take. So in the beginning, I was angry and um, I was in denial. Uh, I, I was depressed. I went through each step of grief, basically, you know, because I lost. I lost my, my career. Um, I lost my ability to be, without sounding, you know, ancient, <laughs> I lost my ability to be a husband um, and to be a father. Uh, although I'm still here, it's not getting go anywhere, but what you would can normally consider to be a husband, go to work, do this, take care of the family, uh, a father, you know, play with your girls, take them out to, and we used to play soccer, couldn't do that anymore. Um, it, it really kind of, it gives you a different perspective on life. Yeah, it, it sounds also like these types of events make us question our identity because you had this identity right. that was wrapped in career, which so many of us do. We have our identities wrapped in our work. And this was a huge unraveling of that that had many stages and progressions uh, and frustration and emotions yeah. and all of it. Well, absolutely. It, it's a situation that makes you kind of uh, reflect upon your life, reflect on where you came from, uh, where you're at right now, and what you need to do to move forward. So my motivation was, um, it, I've always been a healthy guy. Um, I was a vegan before it was really fashionable to be a vegan. To, you know, if you want to, we want to go back. I was doing acupuncture 25 years ago before acupuncture became a thing. Um, so I was always in, in a mindset of um, health and fitness and staying um, ahead, of, ahead of aging, basically. Um, I, I used to practice Aikido um, and I practiced Tai Chi. Uh, I've evolved into practicing Qigong now, but all that had been taken away from me. So I had to kind of reevaluate my life, reevaluate my perspective on life and where I was. Um, so once I got out of the anger and the depression and the humility, um, without being offensive, to no offense to anybody that has been in a wheelchair, because I have fully full respect, but I made a choice. Uh, this catapulted me. <laughs> My oldest daughter got married, our oldest daughter. And um, when we, we paid for the wedding, um, and I, I brought her in and I said, look, uh, obviously we're taking care of the wedding. We're going to do this for you. But what do you want? What's your gift? What would you like from us? And my daughter's <laughs> still emotional for me. Yeah. My daughter says, I want you to walk me down the aisle. 
So that became my motivation. That became my catapult. That became my, I'm going to move forward. I'm going to step out of this situation that was given to me and make a valid choice in developing my mind, my body, and my soul, connecting the three of them and walking my daughter down the aisle. Ooh, I remember when we talked about this a little bit after you interviewed me on your show and it's just, it's beyond words. It's, it's beautiful. And something I think of is a lot of times in the spiritual world, you know, we're, we're taught to find it within ourselves and have us be it. But it sounds like it's also safe for someone else to be our, our guiding light. You know, in this case, your daughter held you and asked you, hey, can you walk me down the aisle, dad? And you're like, I will do it for you. So just something I think about. Well, you know, and it's, and it, I would do it for my youngest daughter as well. You know, it's my wife and my, both my daughters have been like with me rock solid. Like I said earlier, this has been a journey for us. I've been through seven operations um, and going through seven operations, coming from a time that I was never in the hospital. You know, my wife and I have been married for 32 years this year. And we've been through those ups and downs and we've been through that struggle. My kids are strong for this. My wife is strong for this. And I am stronger for this because I had to look deep inside myself and I had to forgive myself. I had to forgive myself for, for which may sound silly, but I had to forgive myself for putting myself in a situation that I allowed myself to get hurt. Mm -hmm. That held me back for a long time. So that was part of my inner reflection. I had to find my inner voice. I had to take my inner voice and bring it forward. I had, to, I had to say, I can choose to be happy. I can choose to be sad. I can choose to be uh, active. I can choose to sit in a wheelchair. Uh, I can choose to, to walk my daughter down the aisle, or I can choose to accept what happened to me and, and roll down the aisle with her. And it, she gave me the motivation to say, no, I don't want to do this anymore. And it changed my perspective on life and, and it allowed me to continue to develop my inner voice and come to a point where now, like with my podcast, one more thing before you go, to think and say that we always have one more thing. There's always one more thing that we can do. There's always one more thing we can accomplish. There's always one more thing we can say. There's always one more thing that we can enhance the world in a positive way. And, and that's kind of that's kind of how I came to where I'm at today and and developing my inner voice, my inner peace, actually. Um, understanding, <laughs> taking the, see, he agrees. She agrees. <laughs> taking the time to really reflect on what's important in your life. Taking the time to, to go outside, sit on the patio, look at the, look at the sky, see how blue it is. Look at the clouds, appreciate them. Look at the trees. Look at the birds, listen to the birds. Listen, look at the animals that are, uh, that are that come into my yard. You know, stop and smell the roses. Take the time, pause for a minute because your life is important in what you do, no matter what you do, it's like you, what you do and what I do, no matter what you do, your life has meaning and it has meaning to not only yourself, but it has meaning to other people. And because of that, you can make a choice to to kind of stay positive and move forward. Mm. I love, 
I love all of it. I love it. It's so it's so beautiful. And one thing I'm I'm curious about because I know after my aunt passed, I wanted support that wasn't my family. I, I wanted to talk to a therapist. I wanted some type of external person to just guide me back to myself. Did you seek any type of external teacher or uh, doctors or therapists that helped you heal? Um, yes and no. Uh, I, I had literally got back into meditation and um, with my Tai Chi, I transformed into Qigong, which is a med uh, like a medical form of Tai Chi with uh, going to my Qigong master, the person that taught me Qigong um, he's also a Kung Fu master. So I, I kind of turned to that more than anything else because, and when I say this, this is not egotistical, please understand for your viewers and, and, and your listeners. As a police officer, we see the worst of the worst and people who are the best people at their worst on a consistent basis, on a daily basis. In regards to that, the things that we see, we bury and we, we push down deep inside us. It's difficult to talk to a therapist within the mainstream industry today, although they had, do now have psychiatrists and therapists that work specifically with first responders. Mm -hmm. um, at the time that my accident happened, they, we didn't. So I tried a therapist, and when you go in and talk to a therapist, you say, well, this is contributing to it. Now that I've sat down, I had the unfortunate aspect of having to reflect back upon Every suicide I went to, every homicide I went to, every assault I went to, every domestic violence I went to, those voices of the past, those visions of the past would always uh, come back and haunt me. I would start to talk about this with this therapist and you'd see them cringe or you'd see them get uncomfortable, shift in their chair, or they'd kind of like um, look around the room like, I really don't want to hear this. So I took myself out of that environment because of that. Um, at that time, like I say, nowadays in present day, 21st century, we do have the opportunity for people with first responders that can go speak to some therapists and psychiatrists that are specific to the industry. And, and that helps. With my perspective, I had to turn more towards uh, a naturopathic and holistic approach. So I went to meditation. I went to Qigong. Um, I worked with uh, other colleagues of mine and I talked it out with them. Um, my family talked it out with them. Communication was a was a key component of all of this because you can you can hold it in. You can be angry again. You can be in denial. And if you're angry, it hurts. And, and when it hurts, you can be expressive. You can't. You don't need to hide it. But we tend as parents, as fathers, as husbands, as boyfriends, as girlfriends, as wives. It, you tend to hide something from somebody because you don't want them to feel it. You don't want them to experience what you're feeling or experiencing. But communication it, is a valuable gift when you're going through something like what I'm going through, or if you're going through something of your own that's even similar, because we all go through journeys, and we all go through difficult journeys. Each one of our journeys, we have a, a come up, you know, a, a connection between each one of us because we're going through a journey that transforms our lives and it, and it transforms it in different ways. So we have that connection, but each journey is unique to each one of us. But I found that communication, my family, my friends, my colleagues, and turning to meditation, turning to understanding spirituality, 
from a, from a different perspective, uh, from an inner perspective, as well as an outer perspective, understanding that I got put into this place for a reason, that sometimes your things happen for a reason. And it took me that, that reflecting inside and communicating with those around me to really come to that full understanding. I appreciate that perspective. And when you say communication, I just think it's so beautiful as a segue into what you do now, because now you have the ability to interview an incredible amount of people on an incredible range of topics and go to such depths. And you're right, we do connect through storytelling. We do connect through sharing our journeys and our experiences. And that's why I literally do what I do in the world, because we are reminded that we are never, ever alone, no matter what we are going through, what challenges, what experiences. So I'd love to hear a little bit about the podcast and how you thought about it, the name, the entire concept, how you knew you were ready to interview all these people that you've been able to interview. <laughs> well, it's easy. It's one more thing before you go is the title of the podcast. It's an honest conversation about uh, what what makes us laugh, what makes us cry, contemplate, fear, hate, love, think about the possibilities of what's out there. And that one more thing, the, we talk personal journeys, um, we talk about uh, the words never said, uh, the deep discussions, we talk about loss, life after death, um, the, the, a little bit of supernatural, a little bit of paranormal, and so forth. We, And it all evolved from my journey personally as well as my journey professionally, because I lost my father at a very young age. Um, I was 17, he was only 39 years old. And it was unexpected because we didn't know he was sick. Um, and he was in a completely different state. So I never had the opportunity to say one more thing to my father. I never had the chance to say, I love you. I never had the chance to say, even now, I, I, look, at, look at who I married, look at your grandkids. You know, I never had the, the, that opportunity. I lost my mother, um, same thing. She died of a heart attack. Um, she died, uh, I was not there, she's in a different state. I got a phone call um, that it had taken place. Never got the opportunity to say what I wanted to say to my mother. So these things stuck with me. And then on the job, um, I, I say fortunately and unfortunately, because it's kind of a double-edged sword. I was with individuals that I had the opportunity to be with the individuals that that passed, whether it be through an accident or through a violence or whatever the case may be, I got to hold a hand. I got to um, be with them and they took a last breath. And prior to that, they said, can you tell my wife, my husband, my kids, my boyfriend, my girlfriend, something that, that I know that I can't. So with that, it stuck with me. And I thought, you know, there, one more thing. Everybody's got one more thing to say. And, and everybody's journey brings them to that. I wish I could have. I wish I would have. I wish I, I should have. So one more thing before you go started as a documentary in 2011 when I went back to university. I have a master's degree in interdisciplinary studies with a focus on digital media and performance. And I created a documentary that used creative arts in order to help people move forward through grief. We used dance, uh, music, art, drama, and they got to do or say the last thing that they never got to do or say with the person they loved before they before they passed. We recreated those environments for them through artistic expression. Mm 
when my disease took over and it put me in a wheelchair, um, as the doctors predicted, uh, I kind of lost momentum with filmmaking. So I, after quite a while, my, my wife said, you love to talk and you love to share stories and you love to talk to people who do share stories. So why don't you start a podcast? And that's where one more thing before you go podcast start. Wow, you know, I don't think I knew that about the documentary as well. And I just think it's so beautiful. And one of the things that you and I spoke about on your show was death and how this is the the thing that we try to shy away from the most, but it's yeah. one of the only constants in this world. It's one of the only guarantees that our lives will come to a conclusion one day. Maybe yeah. we'll have another incarnation, but that's a conversation for a different day. <laughs> and I have a question. You've had this experience and opportunity to be with many people as they were leaving this earth. Was there a theme amongst most of those messages that they told you? Most of them was tell my wife, tell my husband, tell my kids I love them. And, you know, that, that's, I mean, the, the majority of them were that. Or some of them, I wish I wouldn't have done that. I wish that I, you know, this wouldn't have happened. Um, the thing that I saw in suicides, unfortunately, were most of the, and I'm not divulging anybody's personal information when I say this, uh, most of the notes that uh, were left or the, the scribbles that were left um, basically thought that they didn't mean anything to anybody and that their life didn't count. So the theme with, the thing that I picked up from all of that, from the times that I was with somebody and the the, the, the notes during the suicides and things like that were the regret that they never took the time to say what they wanted to say or to do what they wanted to do, to take the time to be with the person that they wanted to be with in, in many forms. So I would say that, you know, you, you need to remember to always say, I love you. Don't, don't take it for granted. Don't take little things for granted because I love you can mean a world of things. I just had a conversation yesterday with, a, with an individual that lost her husband unexpectedly. She got a phone call at three o'clock in the morning. It was, she said she, when she watched him walk, she got out of the, the guy, he got out of the car in the airport and, and she watched him walk away in the mirror. And she said, you know, I, I for some reason, I think I should have said something else to him. And she had that feeling that she didn't follow through on. And at three o'clock then at three o'clock in the morning, three days later, she gets a phone call that he passed. And he was in completely different country at the time. So it brought it back to the same thing. Say those words. Talk to the people that you want to talk. Mend the fences that that you that you think are in front of you with relationships that you you thought were gone, your parents, your grandparents, your kids, your uncles, your aunts, your friends, reconnect with them, take the time, they're valuable, time is valuable. And that in this life, the constant, like you said, we, we live, we die. It's what we do in between is what really, really, really counts. And the people that we connect with in between are important, you need to make sure that they feel they're important. Social media today has put 
a stigma on connection, real connection. And, you know, don't just text your parents. Pick up the phone and call them. Don't text your grandparents. Pick up the phone and call them. If you miss your wife, you miss your husband in your way, pick up the phone and call them. You miss your kids, call them. Take the time. Mm. Hope that wasn't too much. <laughs> no, I, I I love this topic. I love this conversation. And I also like your reminder of calling someone because a lot of what I talk about in my professional work is the power of our voice because sound changes consciousness. We can feel sound within our body just like we can feel loud music reverberating in our body. A text message isn't the same because we don't have the ability to feel that on a deeper level like we exactly. do through the voice. So thank you for that uh, reminder of how important it is to communicate with our words. You're welcome. I think, you know, I think communicate, we're losing the art of communication. Unfortunately, is what's happening. And, I, and I'm not dissing texting because I text myself. It, keep, it does keep us connected in a very specific way. But don't just use that. You you need to reach out. You know, the the un, and I'm going to reflect back on this as well. The unattended deaths that I went to were typically people who hadn't been heard from for a couple of weeks, two, three, four weeks, and they finally said, "Look, I haven't heard from them in three or four weeks. Can you go check on them? Why did you wait three or four weeks?" Mm -hmm. You know, I, I had, without being too open, um, I had an incident one Christmas where I had five unfortunate, we had four suicides and an unattended death. In that unattended death, the person called because the individual had not shown up to the Christmas party with presents for the kids. And I said, how long has it been since you talked to him? And he says, I don't know, three, three four weeks. So the only thing that triggered where is Joe, that's not his name, but where's Joe, was he has he, he didn't show up for Christmas presents. You know, and if they 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 hadn't talked to me for three or four weeks. See, and to me, you you need to you need to keep those people close to you close. And those friends and the family that you've kind of disenfranchised, disenfranchised, I do speak English. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mixed it up with some French because I'm learning French. <laughs> you know, you, you have the opportunity to reconnect. You have the opportunity to take the time with somebody and do it verbally and do it with, uh, do it with intent. Because, I, you know, life can change in an instant. If you were to share one more thing before you go today, what would that be? I would say that if you have something to say to somebody, you have something to do, that there's always, there's always time for one more thing. There's always time for that one more word, that one more sentence, that one more thing that you want to do. Take the time to enjoy life. Mm. absolutely beautiful you must feel this way too 
because I know that these conversations for me and people I get to interview, it's healing for us too, as the person who's asking the questions. It's so beautiful and I feel very, very grateful to have connected with you and to have been able to just hear and learn a little bit more about your story today. So thank you so much, Michael. Thank you. I'm grateful that we have connected as well. And yes, I love sharing stories. I feel that uh, we need to let people know that they're not alone. Absolutely. 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 Well, thank you so much for being here. I'm so, so deeply grateful. And thank, thank you, you for everyone who supports this show and just supports the mission of empowering each other through our stories. I hope everyone has a beautiful weekend and we'll see you next week.